baby, you know what that sound means. It's time for The Edge with Terry Waldrop. Terry talks about all the hottest topics in sports every single weekday from 9 to 10 a.m. He's controversial, he's charismatic, and he's the captain of this ship for the next hour. Here's your host, Terry Waldrop. All right, all right, all right. Welcome in Sports Talk 97.7. Terry Waldrop, Jamie Foxx coming at you. The 23rd day of May 2018. Thank you for spending a little part of your morning with us. We are sponsored, as always, by the good Dr. David Weber, North Monroe Animal Hospital. Simply the best pet care folks you're going to get anywhere in the free world. Uh, we took our pet to Dr. Weber. Uh, we now take our grand dog to Dr. Weber. Go see him on US 165 North in Monroe, 318 345. 4545 Dr. David Weber, North Carolina Animal Hospital. Your smarmy, smart animal can text to welcome. 888-993-7762. 888-993-7762, which is the Washita Valley Federal Credit Union hotline. Uh, speaking of hot, Jamie Foxx warming up on the bullpen, ready to go this morning. He's a text machine, folks. You show these old people technology, they just kind of go crazy with it, but... Uh, uh, Jamie, has the phone quit spoken yet? Uh, it has indeed, Terry. Uh, I hope you can hear me. Uh, quick aside here, I went by Dr. Weber's uh, digs there on 165 North, and he is, he is uh, again, pulling out all the stops. He's going into doing something for the doggy daycare in the back there, putting some kind of elaborate uh, uh, get-up for your, your, your Fido to, to run around and play with. I don't, it's like, you know, like playgrounds have this rubberized stuff. Well, he's doing it for the dogs or something. But anyway, it looks pretty impressive. Uh, Terry, uh, I believe it or not, I stayed up long enough to watch a little bit of the Golden State uh, game last night, uh, which is unusual because I usually never last past 9 o'clock. Uh, but um, it was interesting and a, and a lot going on. And uh, so we'll, we'll get into it. We're going we're gonna to touch a little bit today on college football, I believe, and, and go over some other things. But uh, anyway, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you uh, bat lead off and uh, take us down the first rabbit hole. Well, the first rabbit hole is the game last night with uh, with Golden State and Houston. Folks, Houston's a good basketball team. Uh, I would pump the brakes on trying to put any uh, Western Conference Championship banners up. But, hey, if you're Houston, and, and I know our friend John is a big Houston fan, you play two out of three games. This is a three-game series. You play two out of three games in Houston, you got to like your chances there. Uh, we're going to find out what Golden State is really made of. Jamie, the first time they really had a huge test, they failed it. That was going home in Game 7 two years ago against the LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, Cleveland Cavaliers, who battled back from a 3-1 deficit to go to Golden State and win in Golden State in a decisive Game 7. So the Warriors have really never hit a lot of adversity. Uh, this is the first time they're going to play a game six since Kevin Durant showed up two years ago. And so Houston certainly making them uncomfortable. Houston actually guarded towards the end of the game last night in the fourth quarter, yeah. which was uh, I think nobody was more stunned than perhaps Houston by them actually playing defense, which shows you they could be a really, really good team. At the same point, I'm still taking Golden State to come back into Houston and win game five and then go back to Golden State close out game six. But hey, it's a two, it's a it's a best two out of three. Two games are in Houston. You've 
kind of like the chances if uh, if you're the Rockets because they pushed it to the brink. Let's see how Golden State responds. Uh, last night, uh, let me let me take you through this, Jamie. And again, everybody is a fanboy. Everybody knows strategy after the fact. So Golden State is down. By the way, would they make four field goals in the fourth quarter? I mean, something yeah, ridiculous absolutely. like yeah, yeah. It's just bad. I mean, it's a combination of them missing shots in Houston sort of getting in the way defensively. So hats off to D'Antoni and, and Harden and company for, uh, for actually playing defense. Uh, the Iguodola guy being out for Golden State made them exceptionally thin, but Houston only played seven guys as well. So, and, and when I watch Golden State, they look tired, Jamie. They physically look tired. Uh, and maybe that affected them mentally as well after this huge 41-point win in, uh, in game three. But nonetheless, it's a seven-game series. But toward the end last night, Golden State with a chance um, to cut the lead, to tie it or take the lead. And so a lot of criticism, and they're down three, a lot of criticism for Steve Curry. He said, look, I was trying to get a timeout. Raymond Green was trying to get a timeout. And Steve Curry said, look, we were pushing the ball up in transition. We thought we could get a better shot. Here, here are the pros and cons of that. And, you know, if you make the shot, you're a genius because you didn't let their defense get set up in transition. If you missed the shot, you should have done a better job coaching because uh, you should have run a set play uh, to get a three-point shot. So, it, you know, there's the yin and the yang. There's double sides of the knife on that one. I've done it both ways and had success and failure both ways. It happens. Uh, the Rockets not known for their defense. So if you're Steve Kerr and company, you're thinking, hey, we can push the ball up the court because they're not very good defensively anyway. And odds are we're going to get a pretty decent shot, especially if James Harden anywhere near the ball, guarding anybody. Uh, Kevin Durant passed it, which was surprising. Uh, Clay Thompson takes a, a very difficult fadeaway three out of the corner, uh, misses it. They foul. They go in. Chris Paul shoots one after the buzzer. So it came down to one possession, and Houston played defensively really good. That one possession got to stop. And so now all of a sudden people are, you know, you know raising the, the flag of, Hey, Steve Kerr was out. Coach, what have you? Look, if you have a very, very good defensive team, which Golden State would be a very good defensive team, I would probably run the transition set if I'm Houston because that's what they do well. Uh, you let Golden State have time to come up and, and scheme for your inbound plays or, or work. They're probably going to have the advantage because understand inbound play. The defense has the advantage. Why? Because you have a guy in down in the basketball, which means you have an advantage for the defense. You've got five guys guarding four on the inbound. And so you factor all that stuff in. You've still got to pass the ball. You've still got to execute. You've still got to make the shot. A lot more difficult than what people think. Uh, I've got no problem with Steve Carr doing what he did. He makes it. He's a genius. He misses it. People are criticizing. But uh, therein goes the world of professional and college and even high school playing and coaching these days, Jamie. What have you done for me lately? And lately might be, what have you done for me five minutes ago? Let's fire him. Like pulmonary. Hey, if they don't make the regional, let's fire him. Let's go get him. Somehow I still blame LSU's baseball woes this year on Les Miles. Am I wrong? No, no I think we'll go We'll go that route uh, maybe in the second segment because uh, you're right, uh, Terry. I think, uh, you know, is that the latest is the pulmonary is on the hot seat at, at LSU. But uh, Steve Kerr, to, to your point, did bring up, and I don't think he was using it as an excuse, but it, 
may have come across that way that, uh, you know, not having Iguodala uh, made a huge uh, dent in their defense, inability to maybe play, make a stop. I think one of the things that really throws me, Terry, when I watch professional basketball, and you tell me, you know, where I'm misreading this or whatever, but which I probably am, but I'm always amazed with all the, you know, the height in the game and so forth. Um, the That was such a – it seemed to me such a perimeter-oriented game. I mean, Curry was jacking them up for 35. Harden, is, as he always does, played ISO. And it seemed like it, – it just seems like those two guys and everybody else standing around. I mean, am I – is that – some of that I'm sure is by design. And I, and I can get that, you know, being introduced, you know, several times during the game. But it just seemed to me like – this is what it's boiled down to. It's like if, if if Houston's going to win it, Harden's going to have to hit, you know, from 40, 40 feet out, it seems like. I don't I don't know why they don't try to, you know, push it inside more. Uh, maybe, it doesn't seem like Houston has an offense that plays to – I mean, it obviously plays to Harden and Paul's strengths, but then it's, you know, everybody else is just kind of a, a an afterthought. No, and that's the way it's designed. I mean, look. Ted Tony is not a big, you know, he was the Phoenix Suns guy back in the day with Nash. And, uh, what was the other kid he ended up going to uh, to the Knicks? And he said, uh, Amari Stoudemire. I mean, yeah. you know, he's Stoudemire. a up-tempo guy. He's not necessarily an ISO guy, but with those two guys, you're playing ISO. And it's funny, and, and you watch this, you watch Tennessee here. In a seven-game series, or when you're playing teams back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back, it's funny because the teams a lot of times, will start mirroring each other. In other words, Golden State will start taking on characteristics of Houston. Houston will start taking on characteristics of Golden yeah, State. Yeah, because they're scouting against them, they're working against them. Golden State ran a ton of ISO plays last night. Yeah, uh, yeah. A lot more than what they typically run, Jamie. And as a result, the spacing wasn't as good. The ball movement wasn't as good. And the field goal percentages were not as good. And so that was more Houston's game. It's an ISO-heavy game. A lot of standing around for, uh, you know, for the uh, the Golden State Warriors, which is, again, very, very unusual. Uh, if you look at the numbers, the Warriors, yeah, they're up nine at the end of the first quarter. They get outscored in the second quarter. Uh, they double them up in the third quarter, and they are obliterated in the fourth quarter. So it was um, – yeah, it was there for Golden State to take control of this series, which I think everybody expected them to do. Uh, you know, Houston wins the game in Golden State, Jamie, where they shoot 39% from the field. Look, James Harden's 11 for 26. He's 3 out of 12 from the three line. Chris Paul is 10 out of 20, 5 for 9 from the three line. Plays a great fourth quarter. They shoot 31% from the three line, and they win a game. Uh, that's unprecedented. I mean, it's just unprecedented. And, and, you know, Golden State is in the 30. Steph Curry, 10 out of 26. Clay Thompson, 4 out of 16. Kevin Durant, 9 out of 24. Uh, Draymond Green, uh, 4 out of 8. So it was an ugly game by everybody's standards. Houston just managed to get the most beautiful game in that last possession, and they got a stop. And you credit Houston for getting a stop and winning the game. Yeah, and I think that uh, your your point about uh, – it. The teams teams tend to uh, they did tend to mimic, mimic each other. Uh, Golden State seemed to adapt, uh, you know, more or less Houston style of play. You didn't see the crisp ball movement that you normally see. Uh, they didn't shoot as well as they normally do outside of Curry. 
Um, and, and, you know, it was a game under 100, which always is going to favor uh, Houston in this case. Uh, defensively, yeah, I don't think Houston's had, you know, an answer for much of anybody this year, but they managed to, particularly on that last stop. Um, you know, I don't know if they, you know, limit possessions and so forth. Um, to me, it just seemed like Houston, and you tell me if I'm wrong, it, it seemed like they somewhat let the air out of the ball, you know, ran the clock down, then tried an ISO on Harden. If he hit it, great. If he didn't, not. But whatever it was, and you mentioned the percentages that, that were shot by Houston, whatever it was, it was enough to win. And I'll be honest with you, never in my wildest dreams would I imagine they would shoot that poorly and still come out of Golden State with a win. If you're Houston, you got to feel good about that because you know you still have yeah. played your best game. You know, yeah. maybe the game one was their best game. Uh, you know, maybe yeah, you know, who knows? But or better yet, game two would have been a really good game. But it's hey, it's two out of three. You're going to find a lot about the Golden State Warriors, uh, and we make comparisons all the time with great teams in, in different eras. If you if we go back and there's always the LeBron, Michael Jordan, Bulls, Celtics, Lakers comparison. If you look at who the Bulls played in their heyday, which was the bad boys from Detroit. They had to get through them. The Indiana Pacers were really, really, really good. The struggle through them, through the New York Knicks. Then you get to the finals, where I thought they had a little bit easier of a time in the finals because you were playing the Seattle Supersonics. Uh, the Utah Jazz were really good with, with Stockton and Malone. Yeah. And arguably one of the better teams that's never won a championship. Uh, they played the 76ers one time. But the Eastern Conference was always much better than the rest of the NBA. And you had great players, the Phoenix Suns they played one time. You had great players, the Patrick Hughes, Charles Barkley. Golden State has never really had adversity, Jamie. And the one time they had it was in Game 7 in their own building, and LeBron James and Kyrie came in and crashed the party. And so you're talking about your back against the wall. If you're Golden State right now, uh, we're going to find out what they're made of. I personally think they're going to go in, they're going to take care of business, they're going to be used. But we're going to find out a lot about this team and where they rank of all time because you learn more about people and teams and, and things of that nature when adversity hits. And let me tell you something, adversity has hit the Golden State Warriors right now. You're listening to Sports Talk 97.7. Terry Walter, Jamie Fox. we return for college football, a little more updates on some NBA stuff, and uh, – yeah, I'll get into that one on the last thing, but I'll wait for that one. Jamie, you're going to like this. This is right up your alley. You are listening to The Edge, Sports Talk 97. Seven, the segment brought to you by friends at Jimmy Cooley. Ben Pitts and company remind you to support an incredibly worthwhile cause, Louisiana Special Olympics. Back in a minute. Hey, welcome back to Sports Talk 97.7. Terry Wallace, Jamie Fox, the paper running the board on this 23rd day of May 2018. Thanks for spending part of your morning with us again. We, uh, we're very humbled to be able to be coming to you on through your radio or through the app. You can go to the App Store, download, download the Red Peach Media app. It's a free download, and you can listen to it anywhere in the world, which a lot of my friends do. Shout out to my boy uh, down in South Louisiana, Jay. Listen, I uh, got a couple guys in Houston and Dallas, and uh, one in Los Angeles. So that's just the ones I know of. But uh, always, always welcome to have you guys on and. Uh, very humble that you are listening. This segment brought to you by Mr. Bobby Manning, attorney at law. Don't delay. Call Bobby today for any needs you have. 1411 Bobby Manning, attorney at law. Russell wants to know who's counting LeBron out. 
Uh, he still thinks the Golden State Warriors are going to win. Russell, I do too. I, I still do. My money's on Golden State. But we're going to find out in all sincerity a lot about them. They've never hit an adversity wall except one, and they fail that test. Now, granted, you had LeBron James on the other side of that adversity wall, and I will throw this out to you, Jamie Foxx, and everybody else out there. You're playing one game this era. You can't go back and pick Michael Jordan. This NBA, this era, you're playing, you're playing one game. Who is the first pick for your team? And if you're not picking LeBron James, I'm going to drug test you. I don't care if you like him or not. I got one game to play. I'm taking LeBron James. That's what happened in Golden State in Game 7 a couple years ago. Uh, I, I do think that about the adversity. We're going to find out. Uh, who was it, the uh, FS? Hey, do you think it's a great move that uh, they're going to have uh, Harden's man play a lot of ISO to make Harden work on defense? Yeah, I think Harden just sort of gets in the way sometimes when it's convenient. But if they could ever sell that guy on, on defense, they could be really, really good. And even situation, uh, in such a low-scoring game, you think it was a grinded-out defensive game? Not really last night. Both teams didn't play well. And it just comes down to, to Houston made one more shot in the fourth quarter. It was a good quarter, bad quarter, good quarter, bad quarter for both teams. Houston made one more short, one more shot. Golden State started uh, doing a lot of isolation, hero basketball. It didn't work as well as uh, it usually does for them. So, but, but Houston has an interesting defensive ploy, Jamie. I don't know if you noticed it. Houston switches every day. Uh, and mm-hmm. you can chase these guys around. I don't know if you've ever played basketball where you have to chase people around the screen, up the screen, up the screen. It's help and recover, help and recover. Well, that second and third guy, fourth guy on the help and recover, uh, if it's a good shooter, you're toast. That's what the Warriors have ran everybody into. So Houston just switches everything because it's not like they play defense to begin with. So there's their philosophy is sort of get in the way, make them take a semi-contested shot to deep. If they're not shooting it, we got a chance that's what happens. So at any rate, uh, I want to go on to this. Uh, Russell's fired up about the Hogs. Uh, the Arkansas base. I watched a little bit of that game yesterday. Who was Arkansas and South Carolina, maybe, or Georgia? Who did they play yesterday? I think it was Georgia. They were I think Georgia, yeah. L- yeah, LSU beat Mississippi State uh, in, in the first game, eliminated Mississippi State. They got Florida today. And Jamie, did I hear yeah, you correctly? People are talking about firing Maneri if they don't make the regional. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I'll just say there's some there's some unhappy people. Down in Baton Rouge, I don't know necessarily if. Uh, Stunning. Yeah. Well, no. Why should it surprise? I mean, really, this is you know, this is a, a delusional fan base on their good days, and I'm include myself in that number. Um, I, you know, it, it's he's had. If you really think back and look about what Paul Maneri has done, now particularly in Hoover, I think he's had like only six losses. Uh, in in Hoover and like thirty plus wins. Now, I don't think they'll win to you know I don't think they'll beat Florida today. But uh, again, if if you want to look at the body of work, what he's recruited, what he didn't get into school, not because he didn't they didn't sign with LSU, but because the pros came and picked them off before they could get to set foot on campus. Um, you know we have a number of kids from this area that that passed on LSU. And uh, Jacob Pearson, for example, you know, a couple of years ago, and now is, I believe, with the Twins organization. So he's had some – they've had some really good players that have never set foot on campus. He's recruited well. They're always in the conversation. 
at least. But this year, if you look at them, um, they're an awfully – I think they've only got three seniors on this team. And they've had the injury to Josh Smith. Uh, so, arguably one of their best players hasn't played like you – know, and he's out for the rest of the year. So, he, this has been a lost year for him. Uh, but I don't think you can – I think sometimes LSU fans think just by the fact that they're LSU, they can walk in and – and uh, and and get a regional. That you know, there's there's a lot of parity in college baseball. A lot. All you have to do is look at the top 25, and you see schools like Tennessee Tech, Coastal Carolina, East Carolina, Georgia. I mean, you see all kinds of schools that you never hear about. Dallas Baptist, that normally you never hear about. When it comes to baseball, they may make a pop into the in the top 25 every year. So, uh, to me, that's to me it speaks to the parity in the sport. Uh, which I think is fantastic, um, but I don't think it's a you know LSU fans shouldn't think is a God-given right that they're going to go to a regional every year or host one, and maybe that's what they're upset about is they're not hosting one this year. So, uh, well, but you know, kudos to them for doing what they did last night. But this is not the deepest or certainly mo- most experienced LSU teams in the past. Well, you know, uh, let's face it. Omaha wants LSU in the College World Series. They bring a ton of people up there. They're yeah. sort of uh, – they've become the Kentucky almost of college baseball, uh, the Kentucky basketball version of college baseball. Their fans are well-known. Uh, it's just better when LSU is really good. But there are years when you're just not going to be as good or you're going to have people better. Uh, Russell said LSU fans are the most fickle ever. Absolutely. They played with their back – against the wall last night, and they played great. And so it happens. I mean, baseball is not a head-count sport. But what I mean by that is football and basketball, it's a full scholarship or nothing. So Alabama football has the same number of scholarships as Florida football or Ohio State or LSU, et cetera. Uh, basketball is the same thing. It's, 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 a, it's an orange for orange. Baseball is the equivalency for it. You can give full scholarships. I think it's 12 point, I forgot what it is, 12 point something, I think. It used to be 11. 12.7, sure I believe, yeah. What is it, 11.7? Yeah. 11.7. And so you're giving yeah. equivalency. So you're, if you're in Louisiana, for example, you're combining tops, you're combining loans, you're combining scholarships. You can give somebody a full, but very, 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 very few people, I don't care if you're 6'9", left-handed and throwing 112, get a full scholarship in baseball. It just doesn't happen uh, with any uh, consistency or regularity because there's so many baseball players. So, for example, LSU might take a kid as a preferred walk-on that another smaller skate school, say Southeastern Louisiana, would give a half to. So the kid has to decide, do I want to play at LSU or Southeastern? What's it worth to me to play there? Uh, or Southeastern might offer them a third. LSU offers them a half. You know, a half. It just—it's all salary cap related issues, and so that's one of the reasons you see more parity in college baseball than any other sport. Uh, also, for the fact that in the South, in warm weather climates, they play baseball a lot, a ton, a huge percentage of college baseball players across America at the elite level are coming from warm weather climates, uh, spanning from California through the Gulf Coast to Florida. Uh, you do have some that come from the Midwest and the North, but primarily, it's, 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 dude, you're going to win. You've got to recruit in warm weather. And so that that's the way it is. Uh, and, you know, that's not my rule. That's just the way it is. So, 
Uh, LSU fans pump the brakes on Maneri. Somehow I still believe this is Les Miles' fault. You know, it's not the knee-jerk reaction. If we don't win every single year, fire everybody, start over. That's not the way you build stability in your program. It's certainly not uh, beneficial for a guy that got him to the National Championship Series last year and has done nothing but, but represent, from my understanding, with class and dignity since he walked on campus. So pump the brakes uh, on, the, on the masses or, you know, you're going to have the, the vocal, oh, we got to get rid of it, we could go get insert name here. you got to put stability in your program, folks. And, and if you're LSU, the biggest instability factor you have right now continues to be Joe Oliva. Yeah, I think that would be a great place to, to start. Um, you, you mentioned uh, Perry, uh, Terry in, in LSU and, you know, how people, you know, recruit in warm weather. And uh, this is the thing I do tip my hat to LSU about is they do play a lot of Louisiana schools, particularly if you look at LSU's baseball schedule this year, it's littered with uh, non-conference games against uh, Louisiana schools. Take this in consideration right now. When LSU finishes 33-23 and 23 for the year, 500 in the conference, uh, they split with Tulane. They lost twice to ULL. They split with Southeastern. Uh, and then they won pretty much the rest of them against uh, Nichols and McNeese. Uh, Grambling had them through six uh, down in the box. Uh, you know, non-conference, they opened against Notre Dame uh, and I believe lost two out of three. Uh, and then, you know, beat Texas two out of three, believe it or not, at Alex Box. But my point being that, yeah, I mean, it's not going to be a given every year. I mean, you've got so many variables with uh, college baseball. The, the, uh, the draft after high school, the draft after the third year, you know you're going to lose a kid after three years, although I love the fact that in baseball a kid has to go three years before they can get drafted again if they don't go out of high school. I think that should be the model, uh, particularly for basketball. But uh, anyway, um, that just goes to show you there's parity. There's other programs in the state of Louisiana that are pretty good outside of LSU. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, and, again, baseball, it's easier to win in baseball than it is any other sport, simply because for the, for the very reasons I, I just dictated to you. And by no means is it easy to win. Please don't get me wrong on that one. But you have the ability to outbid people for scholarships. Uh, in baseball, if you so choose, then in other sports, the headcount sports, football, basketball. So we come back, uh, and Russell has a great point. I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, we come back, we'll do a little SEC football, buy, sell, or hold. There's a sports talk, 977. by Fritz and Spy the Bell. Pair for the special people in your life. Hook them up with a Spy the Bell. Give them get 318 1060 Spy the Bell in Monroe. Back in a minute. And welcome back in Sports Talk 97.7. Terry Walter, Jamie Fox, rolling here on a Wednesday, the 23rd day of May 2018. Thank you again for spending some time with us this morning. Same brought to you by our friends, Bill Justice and Vantage. All right, Jamie, so I want to play Buy, Sell, or Hold. And we might have to spend uh, a little bit of time tomorrow doing that. And here are the rules. I'm going to go down the SEC football schedule for the year and are you buying this team are you selling this team or are you holding this team and we'll do a little comparison uh between you and myself uh, which way we're going to go and we'll, we'll start this thing in alphabetical order and talk about uh some of these 
games and some of these things. Right off the bat, what do you think uh, – uh, is there anybody that just jumped out to you as somebody that you're just – without even looking at their schedule, you're buying right now? Georgia. You're buying Georgia. Tell me why. Returning quarterback. Um, I don't like the fact of they lost Chubb and um, Sonny Michelle, but I still think they've got the the depth at running back. Didn't lose just a ton on the O line. Uh, I just think the recruiting has put them in the point. The last two classes have got them well. There be now by buying them. Do I mean like thirteen and 0, 12 and zero? No, no. But I'm thinking nine and three. 10 and 2, which in the East this year is probably going to be good enough. I don't think Florida it's, – it's not so much that Georgia is head and shoulders above everybody in both East and West, but I just think from the East Conference, uh, they sh- – from just strictly from a talent perspective, I, I, I like them. I also like uh, – I think Florida will be improved to some extent. Uh, I think Tennessee, Vandy, Kentucky will be – Average, six and six, seven and five, I think. But uh, let's uh, with Georgia, let's Missouri with will be, Missouri will be five hundred or better, a little bit better, but that's it. Okay, that's so why. you're buying Georgia. Let's let's go over Georgia's schedule, and I see a minimum. I mean, guaranteed. I think eight wins, and I think you got more because Georgia's potentially their two hardest, their hardest game is going to be when they go on the road to play LSU. That is the only – because they're playing Auburn at home, Georgia Tech at home, Tennessee at home, Florida's in Jacksonville. So Florida and LSU are the really only two. One of those is a road game. One of them is a neutral side game. So let's go over the Georgia schedule. Uh, Austin P. I think we both guarantee that's a win, right? Uh, right? At South Carolina, I think Georgia wins at South Carolina. That's two. Middle Tennessee is three. At Missouri is four. Tennessee at home is five. Vanderbilt at home is six. Uh, we're going to skip LSU for a moment. Uh, we're going to skip Florida. At Kentucky is seven. Auburn at home. Uh, I, I think they have a little bit of uh, a payback there from Auburn. So that's eight. UMass at home is nine. Georgia Tech at home is ten. And the only two question marks I have for Georgia are LSU and Florida. And I don't think LSU is – and I don't think LSU would, would pose near the, the the path that it would, even though it is in Baton Rouge. Yeah, I mean, you can easily see 10 wins on this schedule. Easily. Nine at least. 10, 11. I, maybe I think undefeated Georgia from the Bulldogs could very well. Yeah, they very well could be undefeated. Because I don't, I don't think Florida is – yeah, Florida's not going to be as good yet. They'll be better. And I just don't, you know, by the week, what is that, six or so, two, four, six, week seven? You know, we'll talk about LSU in a minute. They're going to have some issues there. So it would not surprise me to see the Georgia Bulldogs, number one in the country, uh, going in and playing. How about this? How about if Georgia were to play Alabama in the SEC title game, and then do you turn around and put both those people back in the final four again? Um, bizarre stuff, man. Bizarre. Okay, so next next schedule. So we both have Georgia. Will we, will we say – well, I say 10 to 12, and I'm going to leave 12. I'm going to go out on a limb and say the Bulldogs run the table. They go undefeated. Okay. Okay. I don't see that, but uh, I do see. Who do you see beating you know, 
Who's going to beat yeah. them? I could see it'd be a something along the lines of uh, Florida. Obviously, uh, they always seem to have a you know Auburn. That's kind of be a toss up, I think. Uh, Georgia Tech home. always gives them fits. I don't, but they're non-conference. Georgia Tech, UMass, uh, Middle Tennessee, and Austin P is not exactly stellar. So I mean, they got really one team they play non-conference. And this is a, this is a, Jamie. This is a common occurrence with the SEC this year. They have one legitimate game, non-conference, and as you indicated, it is a rivalry game with Georgia Tech. Right. Uh, but at that point, I think the Bulldogs are rolling, and they're la- They play Auburn November tenth. That's their last Southeastern Conference game until the SEC Championship. At so, home. And with this, yeah, at home. Their last three games are at home. Yeah. And so they're going to be pretty rested. Uh, you know, they're going to be hitting on all cylinders. The SEC Championship game, I think, is the following week, so the first weekend in December. And so I think Georgia's hitting on – I'm buying Georgia. I, I wasn't sure before. I'm, I'm, a, I'm buying Georgia. Let's go back sort of alphabetical order here. Let's let's take uh, let's take the Arkansas Razorbacks. New coach, uh, a little bit of recruiting done. Your thoughts initially on the Arkansas Razorbacks? Like the hire, uh, like the fact that uh, you know again, Chavis is the defensive coordinator's. A little bit of a shaky record lately, but you know, if you want to go on overall history, uh, you got to love what you know John Chavis has done. Um, he's at his third SEC school. Uh, let's just start with, uh, you know, not sure. really a nor, Colorado State's a pretty good team that they're playing in the second week of the season. Uh, of course, that'll be it, uh, and that's in Fort Collins, by the way. It's not in, in uh, Fayetteville or Little Rock. So. Uh, I, I look for Arkansas to be simply because I think they'll, uh, you know, I think I guess I would assume Cole Kelly is the starter going in right now, the six seven kid out of, out of Lafayette, St. Thomas Moore. Uh, right. If he keeps his nose clean, I think he's the starter. Uh, I, I see Arkansas being maybe 7-5. and five. Uh, They opened with Eastern Illinois at home, Colorado State there, North Texas at home. Uh, I would say what let's just go ahead and say three and zero out the out the gate. At Auburn, right. I'm going to go with the loss there. A and M, I'm going to go with the loss there. So they're three and two. Alabama, three and three. Ole Miss, four and three. Tulsa, five and three. Vandy, six and three. LSU toss up, lose to Mississippi State, and Missouri's in Columbia. I'm going to go. They're going to win in at Missouri. So what? Eight and four. Look, I got to beat Mississippi State, and yeah, I think they're going to beat Mississippi State and Missouri. Uh, okay. They got LSU at home, and that's going to be, you know, that historically that's been a very difficult game for LSU. I know the last two years have been uh, different. Mm-hmm. Look, I think Arkansas could put up about eight, nine wins this year because the only okay. game. Don't be surprised if Colorado State doesn't pick them off. Though. At Colorado State early in the season, but I think right. once they get it going, because uh, you know you get past October sixth. Uh, if you're an Arkansas Razorback guy, LSU is the only, like, seriously talented team you're playing. I know you go to Mississippi State on the road and Missouri on the road, but with the exception of uh, Vanderbilt, is there any other two places you prefer to go on the road? And then maybe Kentucky in the right. SEC? Look, I think they're going eight wins this year. All right, so you're buying uh, Arkansas, did, right? 
I'm buying Arkansas, and and maybe I just like Arkansas. I mean, I'm not a fan. I always have liked them, but I'm buying Arkansas at uh, at a minimum of seven, and it could be yeah. eight to nine wins. Uh, it very I'll, well could be. Yeah, I I think comfortably seven. Uh, I don't know if they get to nine, but I, I do think eight. Obviously, uh, very attainable. So right, we have well, we one more back. before the break. Now let's go ahead and hit our breakdown. We come back, we will do the Evil Empire, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Go ahead and send your text messages in now. Bash against triple eight nine nine three seven seven six two eight 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 nine nine three seven seven six two. Washtenaw Valley Federal Credit Union sponsored text line. The segment of the show sponsored by our friends at Jimmy's Building Ronnie support a worthwhile cause for weekend and special ending. Jamie and I'll be back to break down the Crimson Tide schedule. And welcome back in Sports Talk 97.7. Terry Water, Jamie Fox, running down some SEC stuff. Uh, I think Russell and I agree. Look, I, I, I have a lot of respect for uh, I think Arkansas is going to turn the corner. I think a lot of these teams last year, did, they fired their coaches. They're obviously not going to fire uh, the next one in a year, so I think you're going to see a little bit more stability. So I am buying a lot of these coaches that were just hired in the SEC. And, again, a lot of these teams had success, like LSU, against programs that were on their way out from uh, Tennessee to Arkansas to Florida. I mean, how many people got rid of their coaches last year at LSU beat them? Not to take anything from LSU because they beat them. What I'm saying is it's not a normal year. Uh, what's normal is Alabama near the top of standings, uh, is usual statement. So, Jamie, uh, let's go over – the Crimson Tide schedule uh, quickly. They open up the year in Orlando with a fighting Bobby Petrino. Evil Knievel is scheduled to jump a motorcycle. No, he's, he's actually passed away. Um, they play Louisville. Open the year. Nick Saban is a master at games that are not at somebody else's home site. Uh, absolutely brilliant. He'll play you anywhere in the country. He's not going to your home site, though. He's going to Atlanta, Dallas, Orlando. He is going to get a neutral site game against a big-name opponent, and that's what he's done here again. With Louisville, I do not see the Tide losing to Louisville. Arkansas State, 2-0. At Ole Miss, 3-0. He hosts Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M, 4-0. He hosts the Cajuns, 5-0. Uh, at Arkansas, 6-0. Missouri, at home, 7-0. At Tennessee, 8-0. At LSU, could be a, a difficult game. We'll hold that one for a second. Mississippi State at home, 9-0. Citadel at home, 10-0. So you got at LSU and Auburn at home to keep the tide from an undefeated season. Do I think they're going to go into Baton Rouge and Wreck House like they usually do? Uh, yes, I do. Auburn at home. After Auburn uh, almost kept them out last year, after beating them uh, double figures, I think the Tide returned the favor, and I see a undefeated Georgia, uh, undefeated Alabama in the SEC title game, and the wailing and gnashing of teeth from the national people outside the SEC when whoever loses that game, especially if it's a close game, they put both of those teams in the national championship final four. Uh, I'm buying Alabama. I, I don't guess I could buy them, Jamie. I'm holding Alabama because they're at such an elite level. 
your thoughts. Yeah, I, I think you're – although I do think there's three three potential uh, road uh, minds on this roster uh, – excuse me, on this schedule, Auburn, uh, Mississippi State, and possibly Texas A&M. Uh, even though it's in Tuscaloosa, I think that gives Alabama the uh, – you know, I just don't think – I mean – Alabama's going to be really good, but they did have some personnel losses, particularly, you know, to the draft. Uh, Deron Payne, Fitzpatrick, Harrison, uh, Scarborough, but they're they're deep at running back. I think they'll be fine, uh, you know, but not they're, – they're just going to be stacked at linebacker, pretty stacked on the offensive line. Um, they did lose Bozeman. I, I think Bama could have a hiccup or two, but it's certainly going to be – just one or two at the most, and and I think they go in uh, and represent the West in the SEC title game, no question about it. Particularly looking at this schedule, you take Louisville, open the schedule. Uh, that sounded attractive at first, but then Lamar Jackson's not going to be quarterback in the Louisville Cardinals. Arkansas State's going to be down a little bit, although they'll have Justin Hansen back at quarterback. But uh, and then of course Ole Miss has you know got some rebuilding to do. So I you know A and M could be you know depending on you know, what kind of quarterback play they get. A&M could be a little bit of a thorn in their side, but I don't see. And then, again, we got Arkansas, too. Now, don't forget Arkansas up there with Chad Morris. But other than that, looking at that non-conference, Citadel, uh, ooh-la-la, uh, Arkansas State and Louisville, you know, not not too demanding. So, yeah, I mean, I see, I see Alabama definitely, definitely winning the West. Yeah, and both of them are going to go into the SEC title game undefeated. If it's a close game. I think both get into the national title picture. One goes with one, one goes at four, or, or maybe three. So you can play two, three, one, four. Who knows? Uh, yeah, I've oh. got to, I'm going to hold Alabama. I don't know that you can buy Alabama. Uh, I just, I just don't. We'll, we'll get a little bit of that more tomorrow. I, I wanted to touch on this one, Jamie. Uh, oh, by the way, Joe had a great, uh, a great take in Rustin uh, talking about Arkansas going to Colorado State early in the season, and I give him credit. Joe said, I find it funny that a quarterback in Arkansas, everybody is worried about staying clean, has an early road trip to Colorado. If he's chilling the rest of the year, we'll know why. Maybe you fly that guy in the day of the game. Maybe, maybe make so. him stay in New Mexico or something or Texas. You helicopter him in, helicopter him out. Uh, as Joe uh, <laughs> very cleverly alluding to the, uh, the marijuana laws, very friendly marijuana laws in the state of Colorado. However, the NCAA and I'm sure the athletic department at Arkansas uh, not as uh, forgiving or encouraging, maybe probably a better word, as the state of Colorado. All right, so I want to dial back on this last one, Jamie. This is right up your alley. I text you for this. So I'm going to try to be careful on it. Uh, here we go. So Chad Kelly a couple years ago when Ole Miss was at the height of their uh, reverse, if you will, Chad Kelly, nephew of Jim Kelly, very brash guy, gets in fights. He's kind of uh, uh, very similar to uh, Marshall Henderson, the Ole Miss basketball player. Got some Johnny Manziel gunslinger in and beat Alabama. Getting ready to open the season with Florida State. And he is outed, twittering direct messages to an adult film star named, uh, what was her name, Jamie? Mia Khalifa. Khalifa. Or Khalifa. Whatever. Khalifa. Yeah. 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 Anyway, she outed him because she's obviously a big Florida State fan. And she said, 
now you need to spend more time in the playbook than into direct messaging girls you have no chance with. And so, uh, is, is it, is it, I'm just going to say Mia because I can I can read that. So Mia, I guess, has sort of you know slumped back into uh, into normal life. However, she's living in Austin, Texas now. And the other day, after this uh, horrific, tragic school shooting uh, down near Galveston, Mia decided to take it upon herself to do something about it. And she called the police department in Austin, Texas, scheduled a police officer to come to her apartment. Uh, you can imagine uh, the line for that one. And she turned her shotgun in to the police in Austin, Texas, because she didn't want to see any more children killed or she didn't want to see – her shotgun did not make her feel safe. And so publicity side, you be the judge of that. Concerned citizen trying to do what's right, you be the judge of that. But it sort of befuddles me as we take a police officer who is an actual crime fighter off the street, it's time to go to her apartment uh, register her for a photo op of her turning in said gun. By the way, she said the gun was worth $1,400. I don't know many shotguns outside like Benelli military shotguns are worth $1,400, but there are people far smaller than that. Uh, I'm sorry, $1,500. And uh, she's going to take the difference and donate it to a the Everytown organization, which is the, uh, the gun, uh, I'm trying to think of the correct word to say, gun restriction organization that's trying to get guns out of the American public hands. So, in addition to dealing with college football players, she's also the sporting variety, and she is selfishly, selfishly giving up her weapons, with the exception that she's going to go on a shooting spree at a uh, major area. Uh, I'm not sure, Jamie, I, I, I get the uh, the rationale behind it. Could you help me? Well, uh, this is really uh, we need to pick up on this tomorrow because this is this is something I, I've got I've taken a, a great deal of interest in all of a sudden, um, and I think everybody will. This is uh, if you could see the picture of this policeman that she's handing the shotgun over to. You can't wipe the smile off his face. He is he is like uh, it's like he's been told he just got like a ten thousand dollar bonus. I mean, he's just very pleased, uh, at, more than happy. Which is a, it is a pretty impressive shotgun, I must say. And that's it's. I can't believe my eyes were drawn to the size of the shotgun. But anyway, uh, it, it is oh, impressive. God. The policeman, the policeman was uh, was impressed in more ways than one. And uh, I think, I think she's a little off base. She says she's not against the Second Amendment, but she's you know she's doing it for the children. Right? Where have we heard that before? Uh, but it, it, you know, that's her little uh, statement on. Uh, and she made, by the way, let's give me a little credit here. She made a sizable donation. Uh, the gun, I think, if you have shot the gun, it, it it's valued at like four hundred dollars. Uh, she gave it for the original uh, price of the gun, fifteen hundred. Which I don't know if that's true or not. But anyway, hats off to her. Uh, I would assume, based on her career, she she has. Uh, she probably needed a, a tax uh, write-off, and that's certainly one of them. Um, but uh, she's there uh, handing the gun with a smile on her face, and the policeman, is his smile's bigger than hers, if that's possible. But, uh, again, it's um, 
it's something we we need to discuss tomorrow because uh, I think it's more as, as she even said in the article it's more of a symbolic gesture on her part. But nevertheless, uh, we now have uh, porn stars uh, donating uh, to keep guns off our streets. And uh, what what better way to uh, start the summer with a discussion that, that centers around that? Speaking of such, we're going to get out of here. Thanks for listening today, folks. Thanks to our sponsors, our title sponsor, Dr. David Weber, North Monroe Animal Hospital, the Simon U.S. 165 Fourth and Monroe, Wachtell Valley Federal Credit Union, our friends at Google, Nancy, and Spotify for Jake Fox, John Tabor. I'm Terry Walter from Aloha. Have a great day. <laughs>